Michael Litton, the last DJ host to ride the vibe, playing what he wants to play and saying what he wants to say only because of my friend Waheed Combs and his generosity allowing uh, the last DJ to do what he loves doing. Thank you, Peter Perkins, for calling that out and uh, better late than never, which is uh, talk to musicians. And so honored that uh, Waheed is gracious enough uh, to allow me into the DRS ATL studio right here in Roswell, GA. Not to be confused with Roswell, New Mexico, although there are a lot of aliens here in Roswell, Georgia. And it wouldn't be a Ride the Vibe, and particularly this Ride the Vibe, without uh, the amazing Lucy Pillar introducing me, blessedly, to so, so many cool cats in the music industry. Lucy uh, is the owner and uh, founder of All Right Now Entertainment. And if you don't know All Right Now (laughs) Entertainment, you need to check it out. And uh, I'm just really over the almost full moon Uh, excited to have Steve Rogers on the show. Steve is a singer-songwriter whose long-awaited album, Head Up High, is well worth that wait, with 11 tracks in total. And as you listen through all the tracks, we're not playing all of them. We're just going to feature about six, five of them. But when you listen to all of them, which uh, you strongly want to do, or I would strongly encourage you to do, you will find this album is both uplifting and emotive at the same time. Steve writes from an experience and from the heart. So expect a really, truly personal experience. And that's, that's really, that's pretty darn cool. His songs reflect his passion for life's depth, mystery, and wonder. And you can find that album at steverogersmusic.co.uk. And y'all buy it from the website. Don't do the Spotify thing. They don't make any money doing that. Steve, welcome to The Vibe. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Oh my gosh, so excited to have you on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And for your uh, fans that are legion and continuing to grow and will grow in leaps and bounds when they go out and listen to Head Up High, uh, the way we roll the show is we like to encourage the listeners to podcast, and we want to encourage the listeners to uh, get in a comfortable environment, wherever that may be, in a car or out on a raft when the weather's nice or in their That's living right. room. Sit down, put your fluffy slippers on. Yep, exactly, with the little uh, little bear uh, yep. in the you know in the toes <laughs> thing. And get a beverage of your choice. And yeah, uh, in the studio, we're featuring and some uh, carbonated beverage, some carbonated uh, filtered water. And the company that uh, helps us out with that is Drinkmate. They're an innovative company out of Michigan. And their tagline is the Carbonate Anything Drink Maker. So if you guys are looking for a healthy way to get off the uh, sugar-sweetened beverages and you want to sparkle anything you've got up, strongly encourage you to look at uh, Drinkmate. And what we're going to do, we're going to play, as I mentioned, we're going to play Five of your songs off ahead up high, but only a couple minutes because we want to have people go out and buy that album so you can, you know, make a dollar or two. 
So how, oh, how's that sound, Steve? <laughs> well, it sounds great. Cool. Sounds great. Cool, cool, cool. Well, again, welcome to the show. You're in the UK, so you're about to... Yeah, I was just about to say, so you're one o'clock over there, yep. and we are probably about uh, seven o'clock here in UK. Yeah. And you just, you uh, you spent some time uh, out on the West Coast. Yes, yeah, uh, I, I was in California yeah. for the last six years, and I only just moved back after COVID. I think COVID did it for me. <laughs> Um, and so I think it did it for a lot of people. Yeah. I just sort of went, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I just, I just wanted, you know, I got two small kids and I wanted yeah. to get back to yeah. my roots and have them grow, grow up there, grow up here rather. In the run up um, to the show, you were telling me uh, a couple other motivators. Uh, what was it, tarantulas or uh, something that was out there? That No, no, that was not a motivator. No, we, got, we had black widows. Oh, black you know, <laughs> You know, so my kids were very aware of what a black widow looks like. Yeah. So you'd find them in the kitchen. We'd have to catch them. <laughs> well, that would release. be a motivator for me to get the heck out of there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Amazing, though. Well, I want to... They don't look... They, they look deadly. They don't look nice. They look like they can kill you. Yeah. Well, um, I think they... And I guess that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, and I think they uh, do do some damage, can do some damage, especially on a, on a young person. And yeah, your, exactly. your uh, exactly. kids are how old, Steve? Eight and six. So, oh my gosh, yeah. great ages. <laughs> and into, yeah. what's, their, uh, what's their passion? Uh, uh, my daughter, Uma, loves horse riding. Yeah. And my son, at the minute, is doing lots of judo. So ah. he loves that. So you don't mm-hmm. want to mess with him then, right? <laughs> yeah, he can, he can definitely attack your leg. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I, think, I think when, uh, you know, when we were uh, doing the run-up to the show and having our conversation, uh, he came into your, your room and he was doing some moves, I think, as I recall. They looked good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely both very gifted yeah. without knowing about it. Yeah. They're just, they've got uh, an artistic flair about them. I love it. What, um, what fun yeah. ages. Well, talk about yeah. uh, the process of putting together Head Up High and, uh, you know, and that, that journey that you took with that album. Yeah, okay. So, I, you know, I, I had all these songs and um, at that, that time I didn't have a record deal, didn't have a publisher. I had a, a, my manager, Jane Judd, um, who is, was a beautiful person. Unfortunately, she passed away just as I landed in, into England as well. Um, but she was an amazing, lovely person. Yeah. And um, uh, so I said to her, let's, let's send these out to all the best producers in the world. She went, yeah, okay, let's do that. And so we sent it to Ken Nelson who did all the Coldplay stuff because yeah. he was the first on our list and, and I really loved all the stuff he did. You know, he did Ray LaMontagne and Snow Patrol and Gomez, lots of British bands. And um, and he was the first one to come back. He said, yeah, we'd love to. Mm. So that was very cool. Yeah. Um, and then he got Adrian Bushby to mix it who did uh, Muse and Foo Fighters. Mm. And... Um, so then we went to a place called Elevator Studios in Liverpool. And Liverpool is a great city where the Beatles sure, you know, sure. came from. And it is a very musical city. And yeah. when you listen to the Beatles talk, they're all hilarious. Well, yeah. it's almost like you go to that city and everyone is hilarious. Just, it's just in the water. They're funny bones. Yeah. Yeah, there's something going on there. <laughs> and when we were there, they had this thing where they had an upright piano at every street. Not every street, but just all over the city. Yeah. And so on our breaks, we'd go into the city and you'd see like, you know, some tramp playing the piano yeah. or a, a, a mother dropped her shopping and was playing the piano, or some kids mucking around, some teenagers. <laughs> it, was, it was such a great thing to do. I mean, yeah. obviously they bolted the piano to the ground so that no one stole it. Right, right. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be careful. But it was just great to see. Were they in tune? Any of them in tune? <laughs> yeah, they were all in tune, all in tune. And you'd get, you'd get some terrible players and then you get some amazing players yeah. and then you get some... 
but it didn't really matter. It yeah. was just just normal people trying it out and playing it, and, and to hear music just twinkling through the streets was great. Um, and so yeah, Elevator, Elevator Studios, I think, was an old factory in the Second World War, mm. and it was it's a very thin, thin building. Yeah, and um, uh, it was over, I think, three or four floors. So we'd have the drum kit downstairs mic'd up, and then there's a second floor, and it had all this great analog mm. equipment. So, I mean, me and the band were in heaven. As soon as we walked in there, yeah. it was just an old warehouse with bricks everywhere and just some rough carpet. Just But all these great analog um, equipment and Wurlitzers and uh, just great stuff. And then Ken, the producer, had to go right up in the attic. That's where his, you know it was so we'd have to climb a ladder to get up to see him um but it was a it was it was it was a fun experience and we only, we i think we had 12 days and we and we didn't even do 12 days we did 10 days wow um but yeah no it was a, a great experience and a great city so, so yeah, we love that it, it, that studio iconic for uh recording anything in particular that would stand out that, that we would no. Yeah, uh, yeah. They had a lot of pictures around. I can't really remember a lot of. Uh, there were some Manchester bands from from the day in England. But yeah. I, you know, I also went to Par Studios, which is in the same town yeah. in Liverpool, and to do some piano overdubs. And there was a big grand piano there, and that was. I don't know if anyone's into Coldplay. I, I actually, I think they, I think they're great. I think Chris Martin's a really clever writer. Yeah. And his piano was in there. Interesting. And so a lot, a lot of the piano stuff I played um, is from his piano. His he, piano. he wanted to buy that piano. He kept saying to the, the manager of the studios, you know, this is my lucky piano. Can I buy it? And they're like, no, you can't buy it. So he, he had to leave it there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was good. And Past Studios, has, uh, a lot of people have passed through I there. love it. It's a very well-known studios. Well, talk about your bandmates. You know, one of the things I li like about Ride the Vibe is we can flush out stuff that, you know, we got used to get back on, you know, liner notes and that sort of thing that when you bought the album. Mm. I, had a, I had a friend who introduced me to them all because I needed a band. Yeah. And so suddenly I had this band. Oh, I'll tell you what it was. It was, I was working in a furniture store and I was going off and doing these gigs at nighttime. I wasn't making any money, and, but I was just doing it to... <laughs> that's how you start. Were you a sales so, guy? Were you selling furniture? You... I did everything. So yeah. first off, I, I, was, I worked in the warehouse. Yeah. I worked in two different furniture places. And one of them, I was there for about 10 years. And I was an apprentice carpenter and I did all that. Oh, no way. And then, yeah. and then went up and managed the shops and stuff. Yeah. And then I left that town, went to another town. Yeah. And um, it was in this place that I, I got an email. And this was quite a while ago. I think it was... <laughs> This is, this is how old it was. Yeah. I got a MySpace email. Oh, my And gosh. it was this lady called Jane Judd. Yeah. And she was from the Bull Theatre in London. She said, she thought I was like this amazing rock star or something and <laughs> was living this sort of very, an amazing life. Yeah. She said, oh, can you come down and bring your band? And oh, it'll be amazing. And we'll pay you this amount of money. And I'd never been paid that much, amount of money. And I was just like, oh, my God, she's going to pay me. This yeah. is like, it's like two months wages at this for, now I got to get a band. Yeah. Now I got to get a band. So, you know, I had three weeks left. I found the band. Yeah. They were all they they all heard me anyway because they'd seen me out and about doing these solo gigs. Right. Right. And so they were very keen to join, and I was very keen to have them. And then we just rehearsed. Where did we rehearse? I think we rehearsed here, here, where I'm living now. Yeah. There's a barn. It's very cold. Uh. There is some electricity and there's some light. <laughs> and um, you know, it's a little bit damp. And um, so we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. Yeah. And then we did this gig and it was great. And then, you know, Jane became my manager. Uh, and uh, and then we just went on from there. Look and at that. Just... No coincidences. I mean, all, everything <laughs> for a reason. I love it. Yeah. I love that. Well, we, 
We need, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, continue our conversation, but we've got to queue up. I will grow because it sounds like it's fitting. I will grow from furniture to this album. (laughs) That was a stretch, (laughs) but the last DJ can do those things. Let's, if we could, Waheed, let's queue up. I will grow. We'll be right back. playing that killer song off of Steve Rogers' Head Up High. And Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but they can go to steverogersmusic.co.uk to get that album. Is that, do I have that right? That's correct, yeah. yeah. I, I love it. What a great track. And talk about, I, I uh, had the opportunity to watch um, a concert you did for your fans in the United States. And uh, it was an interactive oh, and yeah. they got to ask questions. Right. And it was very, very cool. And it, one of the questions prompted you to suggest that, quote unquote, I think I, I have this right, the really good stuff comes by accident. Talk, talk a little bit about that. that. That's fascinating to me. Oh, okay. Well, I guess the short answer is inspiration. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're working on music or art or whatever you're doing that's sort of creative, it doesn't have to be creative. It could be something, you could be building something, but that's still creative, isn't it? And, um, you know, the more you're, the more you're doing it, well, the way I do it is I will play the guitar, play the piano, and I would just, Bono from U2 just said, he calls it, what does he call it? Bono-isms or something. He'll just make up <laughs> lyrics. Yeah. And he's just sort of mumbling. Yeah. And, you know, he hasn't formulated anything. And that's sort of what I think most songwriters do. And you just start singing stuff. And <clears throat> sometimes you can just get lucky and, and get a whole song. I've had that before. Yeah. And... um Things will come out. Oh, I, I know what you're referring to. So I was talking to my dad on the Zoom call, and sometimes yeah. you will come up with something, and you go, "Whoa, that's 
that's really cool. That's de- I didn't. I definitely didn't come up with that because it's too good. Yeah. So God inspired and, uh, like, or whatever. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not something you'd think about. Yeah. It's just something that's free flow imagination. It's just come up and you're going, oh, that's odd, but it makes sense and it works. It's quite, you know. Carlos Carlos Santana calls it Holy Ghost music, <laughs> which I, yeah, I think yeah. is good. Yeah. No, it is. It's definitely, you know, those moments are very rare. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that's why you have some of these top liner people. They can, they can see. You know, I remember talking to a woman once and just in the kitchen. I never worked with her, but we were, <clears throat> I was just talking to her and she went, oh, that's good. Went, what? What's good? She said that, what you just said. I said, what did I say? So, so these people can... They pick it <laughs> up. Their, their brains are trained to find these little little things. Um, yeah, so it is... It's, you know, music is very strange. If you're doing something like pottery, you end up with a physical product. Mm-hmm. You go, there you go. What do you think of that? That's mm-hmm. terrible. Oh, okay, I'll try again. Or making furniture. <laughs> you end up with or a making f- furniture. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, furniture, you know, you, you know, or pottery, you do end up with something substantial and right. you can see that it works and, it, and it's, you know, aesthetically it works mm-hmm. as well as functionally it works. But with music, you don't end up with anything. Yeah. You can't like, hand anything to someone. It's, it's, it is it's not something you can hold. It's a really strange art, but it's still very powerful. You know, when you listen to, when I listen to music that I'm really into, yeah. I'm just thinking, because I think all art, you know, and, and paintings as well. I was surprised. I went to the Ashmolean um, uh, Museum in Oxford many years ago, and I thought I'd be interested in sort of Tibetan culture and all the swords from the arm, yeah. armor, knights in armor and stuff. And I, my girlfriend at the time said, let's go and have a look at the art gallery. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> do we have to? Yeah. It sounds boring, you know. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But I was up there for hours. I was up there for hours. And I, and I realized that these amazing artists from, you know, hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. were basically doing musical songs. They were like the Led Zeppelin of the day. And what they do yeah. is they put that emotion into just one picture. And so you stand there and you don't know what's going on to your brain, your heart, mm-hmm. and your soul, and your spirit, but something's happening because that artist is channeling something yeah. to get it through to you yeah. through the medium of this art. And you just, you don't know what's happening to you. And you're just like, I find this fascinating, whatever's going on here. And that's the same with music. You know, you're trying to do that, whether you're trying to be cerebral and make them think or you're trying to make them dance. You know, rock and roll is all about, you know, it's the, it's the primal instinct yeah. you know, to, to get together and meet someone and dance and, you know, have fun. And there are other uh, bands that are a bit more, you know, you, you think about things, you get too emotional or whatever. And so they do different things to different people. Yeah, and, the, and one of the guests on that, um, on that show you did asked a question along these, or, or made a suggestion. They said... Hey, Steve, you should write a book and you should describe all, you know, all of the, you know, what each song means and, you know, et cetera. And you commented that, you know, there were, you were of two minds on, in that regard as I, I picked it up, you know, one, okay, that's cool. And, and that, that makes sense. But then the other was that, that it would spoil the experience for the listener. Is that? Yeah. I mean, that's true, but it's not even my thought. I've, I've heard someone else say that, and it is true because I've had people come up after a gig and they'll say, oh, that song really means yeah. something to me because this happened. Yeah. And that didn't happen to me. Yeah. But what happened to me was something else mm-hmm. that was tough for me, but it wasn't mm-hmm. what this person was going through. So I didn't want to take it away from them right, and say, right. oh, no, it's not about that, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Grow up. What's the matter with yeah, you? Yeah, no. right, right, right. No, no, I wouldn't want to take that away from them. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it is, you know... Uh, you know, other artists have said this. Once it's out there, it's it's not really yours mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's up to the person to interpret, decipher what they get from it. Yeah. Um, we'll talk just a little bit, and we'll we'll go into the title track. But just talk about uh, "I Will Grow" and the inspiration for that, and 
And yeah, I was doing. Um, I was doing. A, I do a lot of acoustic solo gigs by myself because mm-hmm. I love doing that, and I've always done that, and I do stuff with my band as well. Yeah. I like that as well because there's a lot of camaraderie. Um, but I was doing this gig uh, somewhere in England. Uh, I think it's called the Drawing Rooms, and the girlfriend of the owner came up to me of the promoter and said, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm a, a life coach and I, I'm trying to help people. And I, uh, can you do some music for my website?" Yeah. And I was like, uh, and immediately I knew what it was about. I was like, "Oh, okay." And I hadn't played piano. I'd been playing guitar all night. Yeah. I was like, it's a piano song. She went, uh, yeah, I guess so. Whatever you want, Steve. No, it's a piano song. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Steve, I really don't care. <laughs> it's definitely a piano song. And I went home that night and I wrote, I will grow. Because, be you done. know, I had it in my mind. That these people are going to be listening. They need something to yeah. uh, lift them up and encourage them. Uh, 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 yeah. uh. That was just what, that was one of those songs that just came. Came. It just, yeah, it just came. Because I, I came home from that gig and sat on the piano and all of that came. And it just flowed out in one, one, I don't know if it was one, but I, I got the chorus and then the words just all came out. Yeah. It was I finished it that day, yeah, for sure. I love it. Well, I want to cue up uh, the title track, Head Up High, but I want to come mm. back and talk about uh, you, you know, playing uh, Albert King for a whole summer to learn guitar when we come back. So if we could uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. cue up Head Up High, the title track off this great album, Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, music.co.uk. No matter what you do, no matter what you say Keep looking higher every day All the dreams that you hold so dear now Keep you moving in every way And you lose your way Don't give up Keep trying every day Reach for the stars And you will find There's nothing stopping you It's all in your mind Head up high Like you need it And paint the sky How you want it And look up so high You will see your dreams Are close, close by doesn't get you fired up i don't know what will that that uh that sounds like it could be a bookend to i will grow for a life coach steve i mean oh my gosh <laughs> talk about motivational get you fired up yeah 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 i love yeah, it it's funny when you sing those songs you you sort of go oh yeah uh, yeah i feel a bit happier now oh my gosh that's a song you know if you, you were feeling down you just listen to that and how could you you feel down after that what I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. True, by the way. You know, I I I try and write stuff that I really believe in. Yeah. And you know, and I try and live by it. Yeah. And that's that's what I do. So when I when I re-sing them, 
I'm just affirming what I believe. Yeah. You know, even when life can be chaotic and dramatic and just full of all sorts of stuff going on, you know. You got to keep your head up high and put out positively and that helps you grow. So talk about you growing uh, as a young person, listening to Albert King as an inspiration to learn guitar. That that was fascinating to me. Okay, so... Um, but I remember I had some guitar teachers. No, when was this? Uh, before I had guitar teachers, well, my best friend, who was called Charlie Brown, ah. um, he, he was playing guitar, and he must have been about, I don't know, five or six. And then I thought, oh, I want to learn how to play piano, uh, the guitar. Yeah. So I started at nine, and then I properly started when I was 13 by myself, because mm. I thought, I'm just going to do it myself. And um, I would listen to Albert King, you know, Albert King just really spoke to me. I, I wanted to be a solo guitar player. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know, there was, I th- my dad had this amazing record collection downstairs, obviously. Yeah. But it was very eclectic. So he had like Miles Davis, Tutu, yeah. uh, Holst, The Planets, uh. Albert King, Born Under a Bad Sun. I mean, every blues, every soul, yeah. every rock thing you can think of. And then all these other sort of Weird stuff as well. When you say vast, what what kind of number? What kind of number of albums? No, it wasn't. It wasn't like a record collector, but it was very. He was very select in what he had. Yeah. So he had really good stuff. Yeah, of course. I thought, yeah. Really good of stuff. Course. So every single one I thought was like yeah, really amazing. Yeah, and the best of the best in that genre. Right. And um, and so he used to play Albert King amongst many other things. Yeah. And I would just literally play that. Every day, and I do that with music. Sometimes yeah. I'll find an artist and and just fall in love with that music yeah. and just listen to it over and over and over again. And um, yeah, and that's how I, I I tried to learn how to play blues guitar was through Albert King. <laughs> did you did you recognize then that I'd, 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 I'd play along? That's what I would do. Yeah, I'd put put the little vinyl thing on. I'd plug in, and then I'll try and imitate like everyone does, right? I right. try and imitate, so I wouldn't. I didn't go to a guitar tech college or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just thought, how, how do blues players learn how to play blues? And how does anyone learn? So it was all by ear. Everything yeah. was by ear. And did that then prompt the songwriting at the same time? Or was it you were just more focused yeah, on? Yeah, no, that's right. So um, so then I'm sort of, I was in bands. And then 18, 19, I thought, I started writing my own songs. And, but I was a bit younger than that. But I was writing songs just to stick solo in it. Yeah. So I had this tiny little four track that I'd <laughs> borrowed, ex, you know, inverted commas off my dad yeah. and kept forever. Yeah. Um, a, a four track. And <laughs> and I would make these terrible songs just to put like a, a one minute solo in it or 30 seconds. That you solo could do. So that you, they would feature solo. you on guitar. Yeah. which Yeah. So I'd have to I'd go, right, I have to come up with a verse and chorus and a, like a middle A and then I have to put some bass on it and then... Probably need some lyrics or something. I don't know. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. But it was nothing about the song. I never cared about the song. I just wanted <laughs> to hear the solo. And so then, the, yeah. and then the song would take over. I'd like, oh, actually, I'm quite enjoying writing songs. And yeah. then you learn how to write songs. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So that's how that happened. And that, and one, of the first band you're talking about is uh, Lost Sons of uh, Davros. Davros. Yeah, Lost Sons of Davros, Davros. which is he's the sort of king of the Daleks, which is a British sci- sci-fi place uh, oh, show over here. Okay. And um, it also is the, you know, the anagram of LSD, and not that oh. we'd taken LSD at fifteen. Yeah, um, I think we did a few years later, but <laughs> at that time we, <laughs> you know, at that time we hadn't, and but we thought it was so cool. Yeah, wow, we were like really cool. We've got LSD, and no one's going to know. So the com- so the coming up with the name was uh, we trying to figure out a way to weave in both those things into one. No, we didn't care about the Daleks so much. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> we were just trying to come up with LSD. Three letters. Oh, something. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always fast. Like Lucy in the Sky Diamonds. Yes, it? of course, of course. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then your second was Boa, right? Your second um, Boa, yeah. And so I was I was in uh, a band called Boa with uh, my sister Jasmine for uh, about eleven years, ah. and we did two or three albums. Yeah. We did really well actually, and we were we were a very good band. Actually, yeah. we were having a resurgence of music through TikTok. You know, someone puts something on there, and ah. it's just you know it just goes potty on there. So. Yeah, uh, that was good, and then and you got and that got picked up by Japanese something or other or some kind of animation. Yeah, thing? we got picked up by a, a Japanese um, record company, and yeah. then they put our single, our first uh, single on their one of their mangas, which was which did really well in Japan. Yeah. All these awards, and and in America, so we used to go off to America and um, three times I think we did that where we there was manga conventions, and we were like the big. Yeah. Uh, band at the manga. So that was kind of wow. interesting. You know, you'd have all these kids dressed up in yeah. interesting costumes. Yeah. You know? And we had no idea what was going on. So we'd have these press conferences. They'd say, <laughs> you like manga? Tell us, tell us about your... F-. And we had no... We didn't, we didn't even see the one that we were on. So... <laughs> so you just had to wing it. To sort of go, oh, it's brilliant. The animation is so... But we had no idea. We were just, you know, we're musicians. So. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's fast. <laughs> now, yeah. and your sister uh, still in the mu- still performing? In- yeah, she's still in the music business, and she's she's doing her thing. Yeah, there was a time where we were in the same job together, the furniture thing, no and way. then we lived above each other in the same yeah. dilapidated place, yeah. and then we were in the band together. So, I mean, it just got to a point where we thought, Do you know, what? we should just take a break, yeah. and do our own thing. You were That's both working done. in that same furniture store. Is she um, able to make furniture as well, like you? No, I, I was I was in the warehouse doing structural stuff, yeah. carpentry, and she was selling the furniture. Yeah, I love it. a little bit. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> well, we're we're going to talk about a five hundred one c three that's uh, near and dear to you, Zoe's place, uh, Baby Hospice, mm. uh, back at the tail end of the show. But we're going to take Thank a you. short break to support a uh, 501c3 that's near and dear to my heart because I founded it, Foundation for Fantastic. Premature Infants. And then uh, we'll run the rest of the show commercial free for you all. So stick with us. We're having a fascinating conversation. Steve Rogers, you want to go to it? Well, you're on break here. Go to steverogersmusic.co.uk and buy this fantastic album, Head Up High. We'll be right back. The number of premature infants born in the United States each year, 380,000. That's 9.8% of the total births in the U.S. The Foundation for Premature Infants' mission is to advocate for the right of all premature infants to be cared for in a developmentally supportive and age-appropriate manner. Our vision is to ensure that Premature Infants' Bill of Rights is the standard of care for all babies born prematurely 24 hours per day, 365 days per year on all shifts in every neonatal intensive care unit throughout the world. Please consider making a donation by visiting us on Facebook, Foundation for Premature Infants, or at our website, foundationforprematureinfants.org. You are back on Ride the Vibe, Michael Litton, the last DJ. So just having a great conversation with uh, Steve and talk about Head Up High, the title track of that and, you know, the inspiration for that and why it is so inspirational, I think. So I was I went through a process of uh, just becoming sort of spiritual, I guess, learning all about stuff, about positivity and yeah. things. And I just wanted to put that in a song to make me and other people these, these are my theories on life, right? And they're not even my theories. Yeah. They're just things I've read. But they're also things that work and keep working for me. 
um, you know, what you think and feel really does make, have an effect on your uh, reality. Um, it doesn't stop dramas happening. Uh, you know, right. that's just stuff that has to happen. Um, but I do believe that you can create some things in your reality, not everything, but uh, quite a lot of things. Um, and also, you know, you magnetize the right people to you when you're positive and Absolutely. you put those feelings out there. Yes. You know, yes. and, and I put that into effect sometimes when, when I'm annoyed or angry and I wake up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm just, <laughs> something's wrong with me, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'm in the car and I'm, you know, I could be upset with someone and I could be shouting at someone. Then it, it comes back really quickly yeah. back to me. Yeah. You know, someone will come back to me really angry. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> Karma's oh, a no, bitch. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I attracted this because yeah. I'm just in that place. I need to chill out and get back to a nice peaceful place. Um, so that's what Head Up High was about. Yeah. Interestingly, I did that album and I was doing it with Ken Nelson, the mm. producer, and there's, the song didn't quite come out the way... It wasn't, it wasn't his fault. The guitarist who I'd, I had a different guitarist with, um, he, he wasn't there at the studio. So I went back to his studio and... Um, his studio is uh, run by Russ Ballard, who was off um, Argent. Mm, so he yeah. did songs like uh, God Gave Rock and Roll to You and things like that. And he, I didn't know this, but um, interestingly, he had a song in the 70s or 80s called Head Up, Keep Your Head Up. Ah, right? uh, yes. And I didn't know this. Yes, yes. So I'm singing this song to him with a guy who had a hit from that song. And I, I had, honestly, yeah. I didn't know. But he came in the studio and he said, I love this song. He didn't say anything about it. He said, I love this song. And he was yeah. just so... Um, dynamic and full of energy and he was, and he was like no 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 sing it more up and, and yeah. he really directed me in, in the way it was sung so that was that was really nice very sweet of him that art that head up by Argent I was one of their biggest selling songs wasn't it <laughs> right so here we go back to the beginning of the interview where I don't know some of the songs oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will not know so well, I don't know if we said this off air but some songs I just don't well know, someone you know. better fact check me because I might have screwed it up too because you know as David Crosby said if you remember the 70s you didn't you weren't there <laughs> oh I was I was an infant at that time but um yeah yeah right exactly I love it and were you yeah. were you working with this life the life coach that uh, asked you to do I will grow was that no, 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 no. I just, I just met. I, you know, we became friends, but yeah. um, no, no, no. She was the the, the girlfriend of the promoter at uh, the, yeah, that yeah. particular venue. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the next album, this album that I'm doing now, yeah. that's what I've been doing. For, you know, this year is very much like that. It's, it's it's a lot more upbeat than than Head Up High. Really, I think. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Uh, just no. It's just the way it, it feels. The, yeah. the music. The I music love is it. More upbeat. I love it. Well, and you featured a couple. Of those, and can people now go to if they're you know if this uh, conversation has teed them up and they want to hear some of the new music in advance? Can they find that uh, that concert you did or not? Or, or, no, no, okay, no. all right. Because you, I, <laughs> no, I, no, I, no. I, I promised that I would not share it, and I honored that promise. Oh, bless you, thank you. So just uh, well, you know, when I look at I will grow head up high, and the next song we're going to queue up so high. I mean, there's that's a lot of positivity there. There's a lot of high there. <laughs> well, so, so yeah, I did have a conundrum with that because "So High" was an older song that I, I used to do. Yeah, I, it was actually this version that you hear now is the version I do now. But before, it was actually on a blues acoustic guitar, and it was a real sort of blues uh, jam. Uh, and um, um, yeah, and so I, I did have this conundrum when I had two songs that were the head up high sort of right. high thing. I was like, <laughs> right. oh, what do I do here? Yeah. Um, but you know, 
I went with it. I love it. Well, if we could, why he let's tee or cue up, tee up, cue up. Uh, so high by Steve Rogers off a head up high. Lots of high. Send me an angel, someone who can wrap their wings around all my dreams. Oh. Make them all fly so high Well, I know that she would be Someone who understands me Oh, and sees the world through open eyes When it comes to love, she always tries So playing what he wants to play, and in this case, playing the great music from Steve Rogers off of his album, Head Up High. That was so high. Steve, talk about critics comparing you uh, to a mix of Jack Johnson, Paolo Nuna, and uh, Cat Stevens. How does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. How's that. How's that work? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a, it's just, I don't know what they were saying, but yeah, it's a mix of those people, I guess. Cat Stevens was someone that I really... Loved when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, like when I was a kid, kid, when I was like, I don't know, six or seven in the morning is broke, broken. Yeah, oh, classic stuff. All those songs. I just, I don't, I don't know why I was just sort of attracted to his mm-hmm. band. And then he went very, very spiritual, right? Uh, obviously. Right. And M. Yusuf Islam. And um, yeah, I think there was, there was something in that music that was other. And I'm probably as a child, I was attracted to that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So that's where that comes from. I love it. And then this song, so this 
how how do you decide as a musician, you know, what direction the song's going to, does the song take you there? I mean, you, you know, you referenced that you had originally done it as a blues kind of song and then it, it ends up like this. How's that happen? How's that process work? <laughs> I remember the process. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. I was I was rehearsing the song, and then I, I think I was in the bathroom because the, the acoustics are good in the bathroom. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> I was just messing around with the open string E, and I was just hitting harmonics. So that whole song is harmonics. Yeah. Um, if you see it live in, in the in the um, in the gig, and I just thought it was really nice. It had so much space on it because mm-hmm. a, a lot of my stuff at the time was very acoustic, very jangly, lots of stuff going on. You know, and um, a lot of foot stomping and hitting the guitar, and it was very percussive. And that had, it was very clean, it had a purity to it, it had mm-hmm. literally nothing in it. And I just thought it was a contrast to my other songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's something that I took from listening to the Beatles. I, I just didn't want an album where, <clears throat> I think my, this current album I'm working on now is more cohesive, yeah. more cohesive than any of my albums before. But the theory behind my last one was I really liked how the Beatles albums but every song was different mm-hmm. obviously because they're different songwriters mm-hmm. but the, they would go from blues to soul to rock yeah. to some weird folky thing to some like dizzy um, 70s hippie thing mm-hmm. and I really like that eclectic thing yeah. so it would keep keep the listener really engaged um, yeah. engaged Absolutely. yeah whereas some some albums that are all the same same with Led Zeppelin they're mm-hmm. a huge favourite of mine they're probably you know above the Beatles a little bit wow and, you know, I'd listen to the Beatles, uh, Led Zeppelin, and it was just, they would go from heavy rock to like some, some folk, yeah. you know, um, ditty. And then, um, yeah, so that's what I wanted. I wanted just an eclectic mix of songs. Is well, that what you asked me? I've yeah, no absolutely. And it brings up two <laughs> questions now, and I'll separate them. But do you believe there will ever be another Beatles, Zeppelin, you know, those just iconic, huge bands from the 70s, number one. And then um, as you kind of ponder that question, you know, talk about... Oh, I have an answer for that immediately. Oh, good. Go go for it first, and I'll well, ask the second I think, question. I think, for, I think there was a necessity, yeah. the Beatles, coming out of war. Mm-hmm. You wanted some a band that was hilarious. I mean, you watch them in interviews, and they're Yeah, they're like funny. Comedians. Yeah. They're so funny, but they're not faking it. Yeah. They're naturally organic together yeah. and the chemistry was really just startling the chemistry yeah. was off the charts and yeah. but there was you know you listen to their songs and you could there was love in those songs yeah absolutely and I think the world needed love I know it sounds a bit sort of maybe hippy dippy or pretentious or whatever but it was kind of true you know you've gone through the second world war a lot of people had suffered a lot of people had died a lot of people had ailments and it was miserable especially mm-hmm. in England it's pretty miserable it's pretty miserable everywhere else too and so there's there's that um a program where the BBC goes from turning from black and white yeah. and then turning to colour and the people that were there were the Beatles. Yeah. The Beatles were there when that actual, actually happened. They were there and all the mics are on them mm-hmm. and there's the newscasters going, and now in England we're going from black and white to yeah. Technicolor. And then all the colour comes on and it's, you know, it's the, suddenly it's the 70s and I don't think as yet, I, I think the world needs it, yes. but I don't think the world needs, has has that music yet. Mm-hmm. And it will come, I'm sure. You know, it might not even come from music, it might come from another medium, yeah. but you know, when the world needs that thing that can lift us, it will come along. Yeah. I uh, hope, yeah, God bless. I hope you're right. It's the same with Led Zeppelin. With Led Zeppelin, you know, with Beatles, I always felt like there was this love. Mm-hmm. And with Led Zeppelin, I, oh, I could see, it was colors for me. Mm-hmm. I always felt that 
when I when I listened to their music, I could see colors. Yeah. It was always reds and oranges. It was always very vibrant and very alive. Uh, and there, there was a, a good, strong feeling there as well. And then how about the Stones with their with their roots in the blues, American blues, you know, so deep. In... Well, well, people aren't going to like me for this, but I, I just, I didn't... You weren't a... I didn't get... Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't as uh, amored yeah. with, with Rolling Stones as what, with Led Zeppelin yeah. and, um, you know, other bands. Yeah. yeah. So the other question that, that came, or, you know, kind of springs to mind with regard to this conversation is, you know, you talk about... Um, structuring an album which you know is kind of a lost art basically in this day and age you know yeah, it's not important you know what's important nowadays is downloadables right. it's really weird right and so i had this conundrum when i was doing this do i do it for like how kids download right so that you put your top ones at the top yeah. and then you kind of filter them down to the weaker ones and i was like no i just want an album yeah. so i just i did it i did it actually like a set yeah so when you do a set you you know you do you some good songs to bring it in yeah. and you have a little lull moment and you bring up high at the end. And um, so that was my theory behind that. Well, God bless you for that. And I hope, you know, I hope listeners will, will start to be mindful perhaps of getting back to buying, you know, not every single song you have to buy the album, but you know, when it's an album of this caliber, as this one is head up high and it's been crafted oh, and honed and, and there's been a lot of thought into it. Buy the whole bloody album. You know, it's, come on, please. <laughs> you get a Starbucks for the, you know, for what an album it costs kind of thing. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to uh, tee up or cue up something about you also off okay, head yeah. up high. Okay. Words are the worst stick in my mind. All the visions of you So easy to find I started to need you I started to believe in you All of those dreams And I'll leave them behind Could be interpreted a lot of different ways. Talk about that song. Um, it, well, I had a relationship and it went all pear shaped. It was 
Say that, say that last part, Steve. Oh, well, pear-shaped. Uh, I don't know if it's an American term or English term where it means it just goes wrong. Ah, oh no, um, that's, no, I've not heard that. And, and no, yeah, but that's what happens, isn't it? And yeah. so I, I suddenly found that I could, I had so, so much material. I was just writing and writing all these songs. That EP was basically all from, you know, this one relationship. And then I had loads of other songs. Yeah. I was just a constant, you know, vomiting of uh, <laughs> expression of, of pain. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I was, I was just thinking, you know, I had, uh, the next girlfriend after that was saying, um, she was like, you're quite annoyed that you're in a happy relationship now, aren't you? Because you haven't got anything to write about. I was like, yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then that went sideways. And so then I got a lot of material. So it ended, ended very nicely. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because you could interpret it, you know, as something about you at a spiritual level, right? Something about you at a divine kind of spiritual level. See, there you go. You've got your own interpretation yes, of what exactly. that song means. That's the first time I've heard that. Wow. Yeah. I'm the last DJ, so I can I can do ah, that. There you go. <laughs> so I want to I want to play because uh, the time is just flying by, and I want to play uh, "Walk On," another track off of "Head Up High." If we could, Wahid, that would be awesome. So many times I wanted to run away So many times I couldn't even find my way But there's a voice inside of my heart Says be brave, be brave and walk on Now there's a time when everybody loses is their way Start feeling That you're gonna make it someday Just you listen To the voice in your heart So always say be brave Be brave and walk on It's hard to say goodbye But I guess It was your time to fly But it was so hard For me to let go of you I'd be brave, be brave and walk on Hope there's a day When the sun will always shine I know that my life will turn out just fine Cause I lay Another song that reflects Steve Rogers, reflect, reflecting his passion for life's depth, mystery, and wonder. I love that song as well, Steve. Talk a little bit about that, that one and the inspiration there. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think I was um, just trying to find ways to write songs and... <laughs> For some reason, I was in this house that I'm in now and I was downstairs and I turned all the lights off in the house. It was pitch black. And I picked up the guitar and so I couldn't really see what I was doing on the guitar. And so obviously it's very simple. I, that whole song is basically two guitar strings. Mm. 
Um, and I just came up with that. And it was basically about, you know, I had some friends that uh, unfortunately passed away mm. when, when I was younger. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was about that feeling. Um, but the way I describe it at gigs is, we, you know, everyone loses something. Right. You know, we right. might lose our minds, might lose a relationship, mm. um, you know, a loved one. A house, or, a wife. <laughs> a friend. It's, yeah. Exactly. I end up with saying, you know, a pen, you know, <laughs> your, your favorite pair of trousers. You know, everyone loses something right. at some point. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's just to, to keep walking on. And you keep know, the head up high. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all we can do, really. You know, stuff yeah. is, you know, with COVID and everything that's going on, I, you know, I, my little kids go to school and I talk to some of the parents and everyone has gone through stuff. You know, you just ask anyone yeah. and they've all got their own dramas. And there's a lot of these boxing sort of um, analogies going around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, well, you know, you just have to keep going. You yeah. know, you take it on the chin, you get going, yeah. and you, wipe, you wipe your chin off and you get on with it. And that's what we have to do, really. We have to just yeah. toughen up and get Well, God it. bless parents out there. I mean, I just can't even imagine what it what it's like raising young kids and, or in kids at all. So this may be a little difficult given uh, <laughs> not, uh, not only uh, your pedigree, but also your passion for Beatles and Led Zeppelin. But if you were uh, able to wave a magic wand and you could put together any three-piece band made up of anyone dead or alive... Uh, who would you mm. pick and and why? Oh, I'd, I'd pick um, a Hendrix, Otis Redding. Ah. Um, are you talking about band members? Yeah, just just a three-piece band. and Just any three individuals that you put together in a band. Uh, and and uh, so who have we got? Oh, you got, got Hendrix Redding. and Otis. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, well, do you know what? My favorite singer is my dad, really. Yeah. I would, I would have my... I'd have my dad singing because I just love hearing his voice. Yeah. Um, and I love Hendrix. Um, yeah, I forgot about Hendrix. Hendrix is above Led Zeppelin for me a little bit. Ah, Hendrix was such, okay. such a genius. Yeah. And I, I absolutely, there's no one like him. Yeah. There's definitely no one like him. Yeah. He was just an amalgamation of everything that was right for that time. Yeah. Um, third person, I don't know. Let's say uh, I'd have Bruce Lee on the door. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. I love it. So, and we've, we've mentioned a Bruce couple. we getting the money for the, for the band. Yeah. <laughs> we've mentioned it a couple different times with regard to the Beatles. Will there ever be? Oh, sorry. Bob Marley. I have to put Bob Marley in there. He's got to be there. There's, there's, you can have four. Love, it's okay. Yeah, there you go. You, you can break the rules. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk did in the Star Trek with his Kama Sutra Maru kind of thing. But okay. <laughs> so we've talked about, you know, will there ever, you know, be another Beatles and will there, you know, will there be another Hendrix? What about Dylan? You know, do you think that that's a one-off too? Will there ever be someone like a Dylan as a... It, well, it changes. So it changes for the time. Yeah. Right? So Dylan was appropriate for the time. Yeah. It was the Vietnam War. There's yeah. all that sort of political stuff going on. And then you would say that you had Eminem as a poet mm-hmm. for his time and his generation for that type of music, right? And he is very clever with his words. Yeah. He's very good with it. And there are probably other people out there. Yeah. I don't know many wordsmiths um, to that ring bells, really. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, not people who are talking about stuff. Yeah. And then you think about, so you got 500 songs with Dylan, then you got Petty, and then you got George Harrison uh, all in the Traveling Wilburys. You go, whoa. That's like, mm. that's like probably a thousand songs between all those cats. So, you know, it's yeah, just crazy. Amazing, huh? Well, amazing. you mentioned your dad, and uh, I wanted to end the show 
with uh, this place called home because it really hit me when I heard it uh, and found it on uh, YouTube, in fact. And for a, a number of reasons, um, the title, the, 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 the reason for it, and then also uh, the fact that all the proceeds, and am, am I right, all proceeds are still going to Zoe's Place Baby Hospice? Is that? Absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. That, and that's in Middle, Middlesbrough, and that, again... Middlesbrough, where my father was, was brought up, yeah. Yeah, and I want to talk about it, but I want to... So, for you all that are interested in donating to a pretty cool 501c3, it's www.zoes-place.org.uk. And let's tee up a little bit of this song, and then uh, we'll end the show with you coming back and talking about the significance of it, if we could, Steve. Okay, great. Thank you. I watch the sun rise over the northeast coast See the morning mist floating on the sea And the smoke rising from the distant chimneys Nothing's changed in a century I see the man go to work on his old push bike On his scene from a hard-working life like his father before him and his father too It's what he is born to do This place called home we know so well The working man with his story to tell Flickering That song gives the last DJ chills because it's so uh, ubiquitous. It could be applied to any country, any city, anywhere. Talk about talk about that song, Steve. Mm. But uh, this chap um, who's from Middlesbrough but lived in London approached uh, my dad and his wife, Cynthia, uh, who, who are in Canada, and said, you know, would Paul sing this song? And then um, my stepmother said, oh, it mentions father and son. Maybe Steve could duet with you. Yeah. And we both happened to be in California at the same time. And obviously my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, was in the steelworks. He was in the Second World War and then he was in the steelworks, got very ill and had seven children. And, you know, all those guys just didn't have much of a life. You know, you right. were born into basically the steelworks and that's it. Yeah. And you'd go down the pub and you have to follow this religion and that's it. Mm-hmm. And um, so you can't have any dreams. You can't choose your profession. You can't choose your religion. Basically, can't choose anything, yeah. and um, and then one generation away, my dad's a huge rock star, mm-hmm. you know. And then I'm following in his in his footsteps, I yeah. guess. And so I just he felt, and I felt, we felt very honoured. And you know, we're in California as well, yeah. And we're just like, oh my god, you know, we're really very blessed. And um, so we we did this uh, charity uh, um, song. It was about it was a long song. It was like five and a half minutes, six minutes. So I spent a long time cutting it down, yeah. And um, uh, we didn't write the song. Um, uh, unfortunately, I've forgotten his his name, but it was a really good song, so that's why we did it. Yeah. And uh, I happened to be in Middlesbrough 
few months later, um, and I was with my uh, other sister, Natalie, mm-hmm. who lives up in Middlesbrough, and we're driving around. I'm talking to my manager, Jane Judd, and um, we pull up at these gates. We're just going to the shop to get some food or whatever, and um, and I'm having a business call with my manager, and uh, Natalie's going, hey, Steve, Steve. And I'm like, oh, God, she's so rude, my sister. <laughs> so I'm on the phone. Yeah. Steve, Steve, look. I'm like, yeah, what? No, sh- just wait. She said, look, look. She, she's actually, she was at the hospice. Uh, She'd never known it was there, yeah, ever. Yeah. She just happened to take a wrong turning, mm, right? Mm, Talking about mm, synchronicity, yeah, she took a wrong yeah, turning. Amen. And she's right in front of it, and there's the sign I'm looking at, I'm going, oh, Jane, i got to call you back. Mm-hmm. And there's these big, wrought iron, 18th century gates, and we, so we press the buzz, and we say, oh, hi there, We're, I'm Steve Rogers with Jane Judd. I'm just wondering if we can come in and have a look around, because we think we've got to go in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, me and my father, Paul, just did this thing. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And so we go in and they're all very friendly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand the whole deal. You know, yeah. I did this song and everything. I just thought, oh, we're doing this song for charity. That's really nice of us, mm-hmm. isn't it? <laughs> and so we're... And you, so you at the time you were doing it did not know which, which, what the charity was? Is that... No, I knew the charity. I just didn't know the whole story thing behind it. I was so focused on the music and cutting the songs oh, too long gosh. and then doing it with my dad and we're doing a video and there were... And we were getting, um, so the video is really great. Yeah, Jane yeah, son uh, worked on it, and it's all got, got clips of uh, the steelworks yes. and stuff. So we've, I was very focused on that. Yeah, and I happened to be in England doing a tour. Yeah, and so it's just it was all very odd. And so suddenly now we're in this very big old oh my god mansion, very old English mansion. Yeah, that was handed from someone who was obviously wealthy, a wealthy lady who handed it to this hospice mm. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's, it's, I mean, it's not massive, but it's quite a big building yeah. uh, for the area. And um, and, and uh, very old English, you know, and we're walking around and we see these really nice, lovely people. And then we see all these kids yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I understand, it all sinks in and it really hits me hard. Yeah. Um, all because your sister Natalie made a wrong turn. Yes. Well, and it was it was really God nice inspired, to see. And yeah. it, it, so you know, <laughs> every time I talk about it, I can I can really come from a place of uh, reality rather than just saying, "Oh, yes, yeah, it's charity," and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I, I personally know what's going yeah, on. You know, if there's rooms for the parents to go to. It's just I can't even talk about it because it's just too yeah, you know, obviously having children, wow. it's too hard to talk about. But um. Very emotive, as uh, as your bio yeah, very, says. Very beautiful. I love beautiful. it. Well, I strongly encourage people to go uh, check the video out and de- definitely uh, come up with a couple bucks to donate to Zoe's Place. It was, it was great, great singing with my dad as well because you know we're, we're in the studio and it's so funny. We <laughs> we do the same cough or we we uh, you know we sit the same way or <laughs> it's not that. We sit the same way. I sit the same way as him, basically. Yeah. And I just didn't realize it. I thought all those little mannerisms were me. Yeah. Not that I haven't spent loads of time with him, but yeah. in the studio, there's different things that right, are going down. Right, right, I'm like, oh, God. That's we were... fascinating. <laughs> oh, so my funny. gosh. Well, we could do another hour, and I hope we will when the new album oh, comes comes out. To. So when can we? When can fans of Steve Rogers expect the new album? Uh, it'll be soon. I'm working on it. I'm just um, okay. deciding which record company to go with. Yeah. And it's going to be a stunker of an album. You know, the, the last album is good. There's the good songs Now, stunker, that's, well. a, that's another expression for us Americans. Yeah. It's, we would think that okay, means yeah. stinker, but you're really saying it's going to be no, stellar. No. Yes. I love I, it. I think it's going to be a really good I album. You know, the last album I learned a lot from, and it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a good album. It's a strong album, the last one. And, but I think this one is... Uh, 
Stonka. And they're going to be able to find it at <laughs> steverogersmusic.co.uk and keep their eyes out and they'll know when that comes out and they can buy it uh, off that website uh, first and foremost. That's great. Thank you very much, Mark. Oh, my God. God bless, Steve. This has been fascinating. Love it, love it, love it. And uh, we look forward to having you back on The Vibe when the new new, uh, CD comes out, new album. Okay, cheers. We're out of here. Thanks so much. Thanks. Never hears my thanks to ever place my song on the radio.